Today, I'm probably not going to share your regular conventional message. But I bring you the mind of God. <sighs> Listen, until we have understood history, our way forward will be blank. Sometimes you must understand history. You must understand where we are coming from. That's the reason for the Bible. So we understand where we are coming from. Many people don't understand where we are coming from. The church of Jesus Christ. And some don't even know where we are going. Some have forgotten that Jesus is coming back. As a young person, you can be so engulfed in the things that you want to achieve and the deception of your youth that you'll forget that there's reality. It is not by accident that you are in this meeting. If you are sitting in this meeting, God destined for you to be here. To hear these very words that I speak unto you today, ladies and gentlemen, no matter how long we preach, no matter how many sick people we heal, no matter how many things we do, we must not forget that Jesus is coming back. The signs are clear. The signs are clear. The end is getting closer and closer. Someone might say, oh, it was said that he was coming soon, but he has still not come. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you today that Jesus said he was truly coming soon, but he gave us signs to which we will look for to know whether he's really coming or not. The accuracy of those signs is overwhelming. A studious person will listen and know. During the Your Love World sessions, when we listen to a man of God, Pastor Chris, who is my father, he shared profoundly with us and he even began to calculate the times. Ladies and gentlemen, when he began to do it, people began to mock him. Familiar match. Yes, it is familiar. That is what happened to Noah. Ladies and gentlemen, let us not forget that Jesus is coming soon. Listen, a good church is not a church that they are not persecuting. Don't think because your church is not being persecuted. I know I'm speaking to people beyond this, this gathering. The fact that your church is not being persecuted doesn't mean it is a good church. Because the church that the devil does not persecute is a church that he has made an agreement with. When he calls a truce, do you think that will be an attack on the internet if I was, if I was a motivational speaker? If I was a motivational speaker, the devil will call a truce. You don't cast me out, I don't worry you. And there will be a truce. But anyone who gets into that arena of living the word of God as it is said and doing what Jesus Christ said, the devil does not eat with. In all our getting of money, let us not forget that Jesus is coming back. The church must not be reluctant. The church must not be relaxed. Last year, we saw some of the, the greatest abominations of all where you could realize that the church had been sleeping. At the time the devil rose up, churches were locked down for many months. Somebody might be wondering, oh, they were locked down because of a sickness. Don't deceive yourself. This is supposed to be the church of the living God. Don't deceive yourself. This is supposed to be the church of the living God. That they opened essentials and they did not think they should open the church first was a big blow to us. For us to know that we have failed in the commission that Jesus gave us. It is not wisdom. It is a diversion from the faith. When Jesus was ascending, one of the things he said to them, he said, this sign shall follow them that believe. That means anyone who believes has something following him. It is what is following you that tells us what you believe. He said, in my name, they shall cast out devils. Today, people are propounding theories for things that the devil is responsible for. 
They are bringing us theories and theologies for things that the devil is responsible for. Jesus Christ looked at cases and said, an enemy had done this. When they begin to narrate the situation, you would think it's a medical issue. Jesus Christ looks at this and says, an enemy has done this. From the beginning, it was not so. Jesus always looked at the spiritual side of it. Ladies and gentlemen, the church of Jesus Christ, if it's going to walk in the latter glory that is prophesied in the days to come, that church must purge itself. That church must first of all understand its history. In Jude chapter 1 verse 3, he said, let us earnestly contend for the faith. Why did he say earnestly contend for the faith? Because at the time he was saying, let us earnestly contend for the faith. He showed that the, the, the level had dropped. The level had dropped. The level had dropped. Today, when somebody is persecuted for the gospel, he seemed to be unwise. Yet, that was what they rejoiced about in the early church. Where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong? That the things that were celebrated by God in the Bible, today are not celebrated among us. Churches in the U.S. today are legalizing homosexuality. We are not after the sinner. We are after the sin. The sinner is loved by God, but God hates sin. He will forever hate sin. That a church will now legalize it. That is not the display of grace because grace is an empowerment to overcome it. Grace is not access into it. Where did they go wrong? Today, churches in the U.S. that were built by the hard-earned money of the people of those days, who gave their all. Some have been turned into clubs. Some have been turned into pubs. Some have been closed down. Where did they go wrong? Today, I come to share with you what is in the mind of the Spirit. What is God looking for? If we make money and we miss heaven, we have been fools. Because Jesus Christ said, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? That means, anytime a soul it's in pursuit, you lose something. Today, the church does not want to lose anything. Everybody wants to be cool and calm. Everybody wants to enjoy his life and still come to church. And church becomes a Sunday thing. They have fulfilled their religious obligation. But that is not why Jesus came. Jesus came that we will lose something. And in losing, we will gain. That is the kingdom economy. He said, the one who saves his life will lose it. But the one who loses it for my sake shall gain it. That is God. God is not about amassing. God is about giving because in giving, he gets. That is the mind of God. The church today, nobody wants to lose anything. Nobody wants to lose his time for God. Nobody wants to lose his resources for God. Nobody wants to lose their reputation for God. Paul said, I made myself of no reputation. Today, people cannot even preach using their social media platform because somebody will laugh at them. Where did we go wrong? Those laughters of the, of the heathen over us is supposed to be our joy. Today, we run away from them. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask a question. Where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong? If everybody in any sick world gets healed, and on the day of the rapture, we still have so many people not gone, what has happened? We have wasted everything. But the resources of God in anointing and glory, and in the power and in the grace, it's an investment God is making for, into us. And what's that investment for? That investment is for the salvation of souls. Jesus did not die to give you a house. He died to save souls. Then I looked at it. I began to see where we began to go wrong. Oh, the standard had dropped in Jude chapter 1 verse 3. No wonder when Jesus, after the church had been fervent from the day of Pentecost, when Jesus began to speak, in the book of Revelation, he began to address a church as though they were not a church that were filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, where's your first love? He asked them. He asked the Pergamos church. 
He asked the, the church of Sardis. He asked the church of Laodicea. He realized that the standard had dropped. Many of them in that church had become comfortable. And as I look in between the lines, I begin to see again that the church is becoming complacent. Young men want to fulfill their dreams. They don't care about what God is thinking about. Let me ask you a question. Answer that question when you get home. When you get to heaven and you get before God and he asks you, what did you do for me? Do you have enough to say? Answer that question when you get home. Begin to write down the things that you can beat your chest and say, Lord, I did this for you. I did that for you. Today, these questions I ask you are questions I want you to take into deep thoughts. Because just as we see the reality of today, just as your friend is sitting by you, eternity is real too. Eternity is real too. Christianity is not just about breakthroughs and miracles. Christianity is about Jesus. The message is Jesus. It is not prosperity. The message is not healing. The message is Jesus. And Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to make us one with God. He came to make us sons of God. When Jesus spoke to them in the book of Revelations, he spoke to them and said to them many things. He told the church of Ephesus, go back to your first love. He told the other churches that they should make amends where it mattered because the standard had dropped. Then I began to check where did they go wrong. Then I look at some songs of Solomon chapter 8 verse 6. They went wrong one in love. Set me as a seal upon thy heart and as a seal upon thy arm. For love is as strong as death. Love for God. Love for God. Where is our love for God? Where is the love of the church for God? True, genuine love for God. Not coming to church because you need something. True, genuine love for God. Where you are ready to still stick with God, even if it is not answered. Where is our loyalty? We come to church three times. What we were expecting did not happen. We stopped going. We stayed in the house. Where is our love for God? He said love was as strong as death. Stephen demonstrated it. Stephen stood there as they stole Stephen. He did not beg for his life. As they stoned him, he said, I see the son of man standing. Where is that church? Where is that church that was ready to die? He said, love is as strong as death. Today, someone does not have transport to church and because of that, he does not go to church. I will tell you my story. My mom sits here. There are days if we had no money to go to church, I will walk to church and I will walk back to the house. I will walk to church and walk back to the house. I will walk from dummy to Avena to go to church. When I close, I will walk back home. Love is as strong as death. True love for God. I was not looking for anything. In fact, when I get there, the small money on me, I will still give my offering. Today, the world is teaching us to call manipulation what God calls loyalty. What God calls service. What God calls love. Where's your love for God? Because love has proven to be something that can move you beyond even your power. You realize that you do things that you would ordinarily not have done if you are in love. He said love is as strong as death. Stephen proved it. Stephen proved it. David said, David a man after God's own heart. He said I will not give to God that will cost me nothing. Love is as strong as death. People out of their love for God. When you read church history, you will learn about the, the lives of David Livingston. He came to Africa to preach the gospel. He left his family. 
History records that many of them, when they were coming into Africa, they came with their coffins. They were ready to die. Today, we have the gospel in Africa. The mistake they made is that while they traveled to bring it to Africa, they did not teach their children. So their children had nobody to teach them. So the people who grew up later had nothing to refer to. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask a question today. Where is our love for God? True love in our, burning in our hearts. Today, when you go somewhere and you are praying, you are seen as unserious. How did we get here? How did we get here? Where is the true passion and loyalty for God? For this alone, I will commend our mothers. Because many of them, even though they didn't know as much as we know now about God, when things did not happen, they stuck with God. That was true love. That was loyalty. They stuck and they stayed. Because when you are a child, God takes away your pain so that you can play. But when you grow up, God teaches you to play in the pain. Where is our love? Somebody is not teaching the young people that when you come to God, you don't come because of things. When you come to God, you come to love him. Somebody must teach them again. It must be taught again in the Sunday schools. Someone say, that is religious extremism. Yes, it is only extremists who go the extreme for God. We must teach them to be extremists again. They must be extremists. They must go to the extreme ends. Like Paul said, he said, Christ's love has taught me to go to such extremes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14. He said, the love of Christ constrains us. That the love of Christ causes me to act. What has the love of Christ caused you to do? Ask yourself a question. Paul said, this I do for the gospel's sake. What have you ever done for the gospel's sake? Everything you have done is for your stomach's sake. What have you done for the gospel's sake? Paul talks about such people. He said, they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame. They are proud of what they should be ashamed of. Today, they shame our praying. They shame our dancing in church. They shame everything that we stand for. They shame our giving. They say, pastors are taking our money. My problem is that if I had money, then I'll say somebody's taking it. I didn't have it. Everything I have, God gave me. So I have no problem giving it back to him. Love is as strong as death. How have you demonstrated your love? Or your career is more important than God? Or your ambitions are more important than God? Love is as strong as death. 2 Corinthians 5.14 It said the love of Christ constrains us, compels us. It moves us to action. Love is not for singing in the church. Love is for action. Love is for showing. What have you ever done because of your love for Jesus? What have you ever done because of your love for Jesus? For the love of Christ compels us. He said, for, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died from verse 15. That they which now live should not live unto themselves. So I said the first one is love for God. Love for God. A burning passion for God. Don't let what even you do in the house of God take you away from God. Jesus Christ told the church of Sardis, he said, you have a name that you are living but you are dead. You might be sitting here and you have a name that you are prayerful. Everybody sees you doing prayer meeting, praying. But you know that in your secret place, in, your, in, your, in the comfort of your home, you don't pray. You have a name. You have a name that you're a cell leader. You have a name. Everybody knows that when you begin to pray, but everything is a show. You have no private praying. You have a name that you are living. And the angel of the church in Sardis writes, This thing said, he that has a 
the seven spirit of God and the seven stars. I know that works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and are dead. He is not talking, listen, he is not talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. The church in Sardis. What happened to the church in Sardis? He spoke to the church in Laodicea. And he said to that church, he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. A church? How did Jesus get out? He was supposed to be in there with them. But he got out and he was now knocking. You know, when Jesus walks out of a church, all you have is tradition, religion, and repetition. They know the songs that make people cry. But Jesus is not there. They know the things they say that make people emotional. But Jesus is not there. They know the things to say so that people will be motivated. But Jesus is not there. The message is not motivation. The message is Jesus. Anything that is not founded on Jesus will collapse. It will fail and it will fall. The message is Jesus. I used to be concerned that people will mock me. Because many times on different social media platforms, they have tried to mock us as a church. I know the devil. His tricks are not new. When you disturb him, he enters his kids. He has many in town. And they sit behind their keypads to breathe out what is in the mind of the demons. So, I glory in my tribulation. I am happy. Paul said that I may know him and the power of resurrection. He said, and the fellowship of his suffering. You know what that is? It means to share in Christ's suffering. Many people don't want to suffer for Christ. They don't want to share in the suffering. They want everything to be cool and calm with them. They don't want to share in the suffering. Love for God. Love for others. My message today is very simple. Love for others. Love for others. I'll tell you a story in church history. There were a group of boys who were going on a mission trip. They were in a ship. This is a true story in church history. They were in a ship. As they went in the ship, the ship began to sink. As the ship was sinking, ladies and gentlemen, the ordinary man would think, if I find a life jacket, what will I do? I will wear it. I have more ministry to do. Yet these guys were in the ship with people who were not saved. They were still trying to preach to them in the ship. When it happened, they gave <laughs> a very, very interesting story. While they were on that ship, their boss wrote them a letter. And the question again is, what is being passed on today? Because I find it disturbing what these people knew that would make them travel in ships to go and preach the gospel. But today, everybody wants to sit in his house. It is a shame for us to walk barefooted to preach the gospel. This is a shame to the church. It's a shame to the church. When their boss wrote them a letter, dear mission men, he didn't write, I am very happy to write you this letter. He said, dear mission men, it was only one word, others, thank you. Dear mission men, others, thank you. That was the message. So they all took the letter and read it. Others, others, others. When the ship was sinking, they took their life jackets and gave it to the unsaved people. He said, we know Jesus, you don't. When you go out of here, go and read about him. But we, we know where we are going. And they drowned in that ship. There are a certain group of people, I don't want to mention their names. They are a certain religion. Right from infancy, they put their children in certain schools and teach them that dying for their cause is honorable. What are we teaching God's people today? That everybody should seek for himself and not the things that are Christ's. 
Bible says our works, even the ones we have done for God here, it will be tried with fire. How much more the ones we didn't do for God? A degree is good, but it will not stand the fire of eternity. I've told you before, get the degree, but the only reason why you are getting that PhD is because it will be needed for the kingdom on your way out. Let your convictions be clear and let your motivations be clear. The reason you are doing what you are doing because many young people are living in this world without purpose. They are living just to feed and to have fun. No purpose. Everything must be geared toward a purpose. I found my purpose. My purpose is Christ. Everything I put together is going in that direction. My degrees are going that direction. My life is going that direction. Everything I am is going that direction. Where are the people who still think like Esther? Many Christians today, when they get into political position, they forget God. They go there and say, when I get there, I will do something for God. One year down the line, they forget God. When you go there, you pray, they'll tell you we've been there before. This is a shame to the church. No wonder. God does not even mind putting unbelievers there. Because if he puts the Christians there, it's still the same. The value is the same. But I tell you, I think it is time for young people to be taught this. To be taught others. Anywhere I find myself in government, anywhere I find myself in society, anywhere I find myself, it is because God wants to do something there. So I become his mouthpiece. Check when you walk outside, how many people are approach you to preach to you. Everybody's thinking of himself, but we are not helpless. God has found a remnant. God has found a people who are selflessly loving him, ready to obey his voice anywhere he tells them to go. I remember many years ago, the Lord said to me, at that time, that place, Sodom and Gomorrah, was still around. The Lord said to me, go and preach in Sodom and Gomorrah. That place was known to be a very notorious place where arm robbers were. I was thinking, when I go there, what will I do? I prayed in tongues. I came to that point. I said, Lord, whatever happens, should happen. I went there. In that place, it is not a mystery to see somebody with a gun. It's not a mystery. I went there. I preached the gospel. I led some to Christ. I'm still here today. Those acts of love mean a lot to God. Love for him. Love for others. I don't live for myself anymore. I lost consciousness of that many years ago. I live for others. Go back to Songs of Solomon chapter 8 verse 6. It says, set me as a seal upon thy heart. And as a seal upon thy arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. When love moves forward, it gets to jealousy. Have you ever expressed your jealousy for God? At this point, when you now go beyond how you feel about God and what you are doing about God and you become jealous for the name of God, you begin to establish him in the hearts of men. Jealousy for God. Many times I've told you the story. I will sit in a car and I will go past a, a pub. I will go past a pub. And I'll see many young girls, many young boys going in there, not going to church on Sunday. When I see it, my heart will be beating and panting, jealous for God. I'll be looking at it and say, God can have these young people. They'll be more useful in the hand of Jesus. Because five loaves of bread and two fishes in the hand of a little boy is lunch. But in the hand of Jesus, it's a miracle. Whatever gets in the hands of Jesus feeds others. I thought to myself, many times I will weep in my car. Only God knows how many times I have cried. 
How many times I have I, I drove my car to Sabafield, drove my car to Lizalem to see people there. And as I saw them pass by, I will be jealous for God. I will be jealous for God. This was what drove Elijah to call down fire. So tomorrow, when you begin praying to God that you want fire, just know that fire doesn't just land. Fire comes from jealousy for God. I became jealous for God. I became jealous for God. Many times, I will ask myself a question. I said, young people and people are getting, more, more people are getting sick than the people who are being healed. I was jealous for God. These were my days in uni. Then I took myself on a five days fasting and prayer. I said, God, whatever you gave our fathers, that is making people healed. Lord, I want it. I will pray and fast and cry. The first time I traveled to Kumasi to go and pray, I said, God, give me a grace to heal the sick. The first time I prayed, God said, you are not ready. I went back. I came again. I came again and prayed because I was jealous for God. These things have been in my heart for long. For those who think that I just appeared on the scene, this birthday you saw throwbacks. I've been preaching. I've been jealous for God. I've been working. I've been doing things for God. I've been trying. I've been trying and trying my best. I've been going from school to school. Only God knows how many times I went to St. Peter's. Only God knows how many times I went to Pope John's. Only God knows how many times I went to Every Girls. I've been trying. I've been moving about. I've been preaching. I've been doing my best. One of my jealousy for God. One day, I looked at how, when it was time for Artist Night on Legon Campus, big stage, big lights, big LED, everything big for Artist Night. When it is gospel rock show, they'll put a small stage, no LED, one banner, and invite one minister. I look at it. Everybody thought it was normal. It cannot be normal. Why don't you think something is wrong with it? When it came to God, my God. No, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. Somebody will see it and say, ah, Abby, there's no money. There's no money. There's no money. Those who took out their money to do the one of the artist night, oh, because they have excess money. Where are God's financiers? The first time I did it, the first time I did it, I emptied my account. I put a big LED there. I put a big stage there. I emptied my account and I did it. And people got saved and people got healed. I emptied my account and I did it. I fasted and prayed for two weeks. For the first time, for the first time, in, front, in between Say and Nelson, for the first time, people gathered. People did not sit on their, on their, on their w w uh, corridors, their balconies. People did not sit on their balconies to join gospel rock show. And when it's time for artist night, they will come down. What was happening to their generation? People didn't know that their programming was going on. Let me tell you, the devil is very smart. It is Christians who sleep. When the devil sees a generation that has fire, when he sees the fire they have, he stops. Because he knows that these people, they are too convinced I cannot. So he leaves them. So the people think they are having a holiday in doing their work. No, the devil has left. He has gone to the young people. Going to sell things to them. So while these people are busy ministering, not teaching the young people to follow what they did, the devil has gone there already. The devil was programming the young people. I said, when I read the thing I read to you, I went to many churches because of the singing I was doing. 
Sometimes it was so difficult to even get young people to come forward to say, I'm doing something for God. Nobody wants to leave prayer. Nobody wants to do anything. Then they'll call for one youth meeting and a few of them will come and sit over there and you can see that they, there's no fire for God. They are just charlatans. Just there because their parents are in the church. Most things churches were because their parents were in the church. Nobody was now following the will of God again. And when they get to that age where they can choose whether to go to church or not, then you see their real hearts. Jealousy for God. As I went around, I know God was the one who orchestrated it. As I went around like that, I said to myself, there must be fire. There must be fire. There must be young people who believe in praying for 12 hours. It is not foolishness. It is scripturally prescribed. Jesus did it. We'll do it too. We have not invented a new Christianity where we take out fasting. Fasting is still valid. We still fast. Some people think we are doing a new kind of Christianity where we are just being swaggishous. And we'll, they'll come and think that, oh, this, this pastor, he's just a swag pastor. Sometimes I don't even remember that I have to eat. Don't let our kambu deceive you. Don't let our tattered jeans deceive you. Some of you who have prayed with me, you know that when I lie on my belly, we are not, we, we are, that prayer will not finish. Once I'm still standing, have hope. <laughs> Once I do, shalaba. There are three pillars that you can't change. When it comes to a building, you can change the style of the building. You can change the roof of a building. You can change the paint of a building. One thing you don't touch when it comes to a building is a foundation. Once you touch foundation, a building is coming down. Foundations in years past is still foundation today. Three things you don't touch. Jesus Christ did not say those things if. He said when. He said when you fast. That means you must fast. He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. He said when you pray, when you give these three things. If the church takes these three things out, the church will be dead. When you fast. When you pray. When you give. Giving is still valid. The widow who brought her two mites. People have used that scripture to give their worst to God. But people don't know God. Jesus Christ gave us the correct representation of God. When that widow who brought that two mites brought it to Jesus, Jesus did not return it to her. He collected it. For you to understand, God will collect your giving whether you are poor or rich. Because that is how he makes you. Jealousy. Jealousy. Say jealousy is like the grave. When you exhibit jealousy for God, you look at the kingdom. You look over there, you look at it. No, nobody's calling upon the name of God. We need a generation that will pray again. We need a generation that will preach with fire again. We need a generation that will give again. We need a generation that will even do it better than our fathers. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. And all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation. Look at it. And also all that generation. Which generation? The generation of Joshua. They all went to their fathers. All of them were good. Joshua taught them well. Joshua told them to pray. Joshua told them to fast. Joshua told them to preach. Joshua told them to fight. Joshua told them to love God. Joshua told them to be jealous for God. But they refused. They, they did not teach their children. So the Bible says, and also that generation were gathered unto their fathers. They all died. He said, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not God, nor yet his works which he had done for Israel. That generation came up and they did not know God. Let us not go to Sunday school and teach the little children end for Noah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, when they watch cartoons, they understand it. Teach them to love God. Teach them that you can pray for one hour. You will be shocked that they will do it. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I tell you that the easiest people to preach and fill with the Holy Ghost are children. 
When I get children and I start preaching to them, I say, do you want to receive the Holy Ghost? Do you want to speak in tongues? They say, yes. Once you lay hands on them, immediately they start speaking in tongues. Their faith is so pure. Don't think they are children. Fill them with the Holy Ghost at age four. Fill them with the Holy Ghost at age five. Teach them that Jesus died. Teach them that Jesus died so that they would die for others. Teach them that when they go to school, they should preach. Teach them that they can also lay hands on the sick. Don't tell them, see for cocaine. The churches in America lost it. Today, when you go among the youth in those countries, now we are now exporting missionaries from here. Now, I'm, I, Af Africans have to now go and preach over there. Something has happened to them. Their young people don't want to hear about God in the name of human rights. What is the, the essence of human rights when you are going to hell? You have no right in hell. <laughs> in hell, you will only be told to change your style. Bible says, therefore, we know in the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Because we know that hell is real. We will go out and preach. You can't stop us. You can't stop us. Last year, we went out in buses preaching. People were thinking, what is wrong with these people? Why are they going out in buses preaching? They don't know what is burning inside us. Jealousy. Who knows? Some of those people, that is their last opportunity to hear about Jesus. Hell is real. Heaven is real. Let's not change the message. These things are real. The rapture of the church is real. Jesus will come back. The Bible says that we'll meet him up in the air. We'll meet him up in the air. And all our clothes will not matter again. And all our heels will not matter again. And the color of our suit will not matter again. Everything that will matter is whether you are going with him or not. I don't want Jesus to come and I'm still preaching. One day Jesus will come. Some people will still be singing. And singing about Jesus. Love. Jealousy. When that one too goes up. Songs of Solomon chapter 8 verse 6 again. From there, it says, set me as a seal upon my heart, as a seal upon my arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. The cause thereof as cause of fire, which had the most vehement flame. Verse 7, many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods drown it. If a man will give all the substance of his house for love, what's he teaching you? Estimation. Why are we not teaching God's people what to esteem? Because God has told us what to esteem. Ladies and gentlemen, I beg your pardon for a Christian gospel musician to be excited that he got an award from a group of secular judges. Something is wrong. You were leading worship and they had to give you an award? And that is what some gospel ministers are, are fighting for all their life. That they will be recognized on such awards. What, is, what happened? What happened? Bible says by faith. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt. The things that our fathers left behind are the things that we are clamoring over. What is wrong? We do not understand the glory of God again. And on top of that, I have to get people to vote for me too. Something is wrong. You can tell me I don't understand because I'll never understand. Moses, Bible says, he esteemed, in Hebrews eleven twenty six, 26, esteeming the report of Christ esteeming the report of Christ the day you are insulted because of Jesus you lift your hand and shout say yes that is the esteeming the report of Christ he was he was retaught about values he was retaught about the things that he should value no wonder God said it in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 hear all Israel the Lord your God is one Lord thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your soul with all your mind then he says, these things I write, he said, teach to your children. Because some things must be taught. Some things must be taught. The, taught. the church must be taught again. The church must be taught again. You don't esteem the world. We went
went to save the world, we did not go to join them. The world is our mission field. We keep it a mission field. The estimations. The estimations. The things that we began to esteem. The things we began to esteem. What is important to God? Then we begin to ask those questions. The Bible says that the things that are regarded among men, they are monstrous to God. God is not looking at those things. There are things that God is looking for. There are things that God is looking at. He's not looking at those things that we, in the eyes of men, people are clapping for you, that you are this. God probably not seeing it. We must be taught again. Not to love the world. Not the things in the world. Estimations. While Stephen was being stoned, he said, I saw the Son of Man standing. Meanwhile, Paul said that Jesus is seated. That means Jesus gave Stephen a standing ovation. To be insulted for Jesus is a flex. Let's teach it again. Let's teach it again. To be in reproach for Jesus' sake is a flex. It's a badge of honor. Persecution is a badge of honor. I remember those days. I taught you people this thing. Where because of church, you started living in a kiosk. And when you started living in the kiosk, he was excited. He came to say, say, I have a testimony. Because of church, I now live in a kiosk. Christians of today will come and cry. I don't know what I've done to God. I don't know where I'm headed. My life is destroyed. But the Bible says the disciples, when they were lashed because of Jesus, the Bible says they rejoiced. Because they knew that those lashes were not mere lashes. Once you are lashed for Jesus' sake, there's a medal in heaven. Our estimations, that when one soul is won, heaven rejoices. So because we want heaven to rejoice, we begin to esteem those things very highly. No matter what anybody says, no matter, no matter what anybody thinks, it is what God is looking for that we are looking for. We will still give. We will still preach. We will still give. It's not your money. And God knows me. God knows me. If he gives it to me, I will give it to him. His kingdom is my focus. His kingdom is my focus. Now remember that old song. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. With all my strength, with all I am, I will seek to honor his commands. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. And I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. With all my strength and with all I am, and I will seek to honor his commands. I pledge allegiance to the land. standing strong in spite of all we will fight this fight they think we are done we've only just begun 
The church is marching on in spite of all. In spite of all. Our faith is standing strong. In spite of all. We will fight this fight. They think we are done. We've only just begun. The church is marching on. In spite of all, in spite of all, our faith is standing strong. In spite of all, we will fight this. We think we are done. We've only just begun. The church is marching. remember 2019 before I had the program we had the program at the summer field where we had almost 20,000 people gathered for the Lord listen as I prayed for that meeting the Lord said to me no wonder today in all my birthday messages I've been seen God gave you to our generation God sent you to our generation God said it to me 2019 is I've given you the generation Not to play and play with them, but to affect them with the gospel of Jesus. At that time, we we're only about 250 in church. 2019, we we're just about 250 in church. God said it. Here we are in 2021. Not only do we have a church with thousands of people, we have other churches with also thousands of people. We went Kumasi a few weeks ago. And oh boy, the power of God was strong. Let me tell you, let me tell you why those miracles happen. Number one, God has proven that he's still around. The Bible says that God bearing them witness, not by big cap. God bearing them witness with miracles, signs, wonders, and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his, his own will. That's number one. Number two, people need this touch from God. Listen, when you were watching those testimonies, how were you feeling? Sometimes people sit around us and they are going through too much. They go through so much that only God can come through for them. They've tried everything. They've been to every hospital. They've been everywhere. But then, God raised us for this day. For this cause, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why the devil does not like us. Because we terrorize him. And you know what? Everything I've preached will make no sense today. If you are sitting down here and you have not given your life to Jesus, 
Estimation again. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Have you thought about your soul? Sometimes people will be sitting in a meeting and they want to give their life to Christ but they are looking at their friend who will look at them. But ladies and gentlemen, that is the most important decision you can ever make in your life to give your life to Jesus. Jesus.